right. Hey, everybody, who's glad to be at church today? Anybody glad to be in the house of God? Come on. Come on, let's give God the best praise we can today. He's worthy of it, isn't he? So worthy of it. Well, I want to welcome you to church and uh, want to welcome everybody online with us as well. Thank you for being part of our church family, wherever you're from. Uh, we, we see the reports of people who watch from all across America, different states, and sometimes occasionally around the world. And so uh, we don't know where you're watching from, but we are so thankful and so glad that you're part of our church family, whether you're local or somewhere else. So church, can we welcome everybody online with us today as well? We, we love you. We welcome you. We're in part four of a series that we're calling Family Values, all right? These are our values that we're talking about, and, and not necessarily just values of, of this church and this house, but just values of, as a Christian, like things that we believe that we need to, that we, we need to lean into as people of God, the, the people of God. So what's happened over the last few weeks is we've, we've talked about different topics, like week one, we talked about choosing relationships carefully. We, we talked about how... Like, you are the sum total of the people that you surround yourself with. Good or bad, that's, that's who we are. It's the people that, that are closest to us. The second week, we talked about how we value forgiveness. We forgive, don't we? Like, it's, it's not okay for us to receive God's forgiveness and then to hold forgiveness from somebody else. So that was week two. And then uh, last week, Pastor Tom dropped the bomb. I mean, my goodness, what an incredible message last Week It was so good talking about hope for hurting marriages. Um, next week is a generational mentality, but today we're going to talk about parenting on purpose. And you're, you're probably wishing you had heard this one last week before the ice storm hit, right? Before you were stuck at home with those kids for a whole week. They didn't even go to school all week last week. So um, I wish I could have given it to you then, but the second best time is now. So uh, we're, we're doing that today, going to talk about Parenting on purpose, and uh, while the, the topic of today may be about parenting, I do realize that some of you, you're not parents yet. Uh, some of you are young adults or you're students. Some of you, you have graduated to grandparenting, and I hear that that is way better than parenting, all right? I mean, if I knew, if I, if I knew that when we started out, we would have just started as grandparents. You know what I'm talking about? Just start, start there. <laughs> But we, we got to start as parents first, and so I'm saying all of that to say no matter where you are in your relationship, whether you're a parent or not, you can get something out of this message today. You can apply all of these principles for wherever you are in your relationship journey today, and, uh, and so I want you to let God speak to you about that. Now, here's what I know, is that parenting comes in all different shapes and sizes, right? I mean, you've got the traditional family, which is... Mom and dad are both in the house, and, and, they're, and they're raising kids, and, and, and that's traditional parenting. Uh, but then you have single parents, uh, single moms, but hey, let's not forget about the single dads too. There's some single dads out there. And you might be a single parent. Uh, maybe it's because of a decision you made at some point in your life. Maybe it, it's because of divorce, and there's no judgment, no condemnation coming from here today. Maybe it's because of death. Maybe you're a single parent because your spouse died. So there's a lot of reasons you might be a single parent, and that's a tough, it's a tough work. We know that. But then there's also blended families. Come on, somebody. Blended families, you know, that, that's a whole other ballgame too. Now, I, I, I didn't realize it until about six or seven years ago that I have experienced every one of those family dynamics. 
as a child, all right? So I grew up, had my mom and my dad in the home. And then when I was seven, my dad was 36 years old. He died, died. And so that left my mom as a single mom. And so she was raising three boys as a single mom by herself. I mean, there were people that helped. The church helped. There were people that came around. But I remember growing up and other people had to maybe come by the house and pick us up to take us to ball games and things because mom was working late or she was working two jobs. And for five years, she was a single mom and she was, she was waiting for, for that man. You know what I'm talking about? And so she finally married another uh, man, a single dad. And we blended families. So I, I had the experience of a traditional family, then a single mom, and then a blended family. And so my stepdad came into the picture with his son and my mom with her three boys. Come on, somebody. It was a circus from the beginning. I'm telling you. The reason I say it was a circus is because it, it was. At the wedding, at my mom and stepdad's wedding, about halfway through, my stepbrother face plants on the ground, just passes out. He's like maybe 16 at the time, 15. There were some conspiracy theorists thinking that he was, he was, this was his way to try to call it off. You know what I'm saying? Like, like this is it. We're trying to, we're trying to put a stop to this thing. And so he, I mean, he went down hard. It wasn't like he, it was even faking. He just went down. Well, like a, five minutes later, I, I leaned back to one of the groomsmen and I go, hey, uh, I'm not, I'm not feeling so good. And I passed out. I passed out at my parents' wedding, right back into his arms, and he just picks, scoops me up and carries me out, just like that. I had locked my knees, and my legs were straight as a board, right? So he, he carts me out into the hall, and you got, I remember this lady named Wilma. She's out there, you know, with a washcloth, and she's dampening my forehead. Hey, you, Benji, Benji, wait, I'm, it's, I'm, I go by Ben now. It's okay, you know. So anyway... Uh, it, was, it was crazy. And then they get back from the honeymoon. We're, we're a blended family now. We're living together. They bought a house, and we're, we're starting a new life together. I remember early on, my stepdad and stepbrother, they got into nearly a fist fight. And it wasn't like them, but there was, it was some, some parenting dynamic going on there. And I remember being a 12-year-old, laying in, in bed and, and crying for my mom to leave this man that she had just married, right? It, it, was, it was crazy, right? So, and I'm, I'm sharing a little bit of my story to let you know that I at least have an experience, at least being, uh, being a child in some of those envir environments. I've never been a, a parent, a single parent, or uh, I am a parent, but I've never been a single parent or a parent of a blended family. I don't know what that dynamic is like, but I know what it's like to, to be part of those families. And so I want you to know that because I'm not just telling you something that I read somewhere or I thought was a great idea, but it's some experience that I have. But I also need you to know that I don't know it all, right? I mean, I, there are days where I think to myself, can somebody help me? Like, like does anybody know how to do this? Is, is there anybody who can lend me a hand? Like, I have no idea. I have no clue what I'm doing sometimes. You, you ever feel that way? You ever feel like you, you just are making stuff up as you go? <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like that. And so um, if you're like me, though, here's what I believe about you, is that I believe that you and I really want to be the best parents that we can be. I, be I believe that uh, we, we, we want to be the mom and dad that God's called us to be and the mom and dad that, that our kids need us to be. Can I get an amen, right? We, we want that. We really do want that. Now, Annalise and I, we have four boys, so... We have a little bit of experience in the parenting realm. 
Our oldest is a sophomore. He'll be 16 in June. And then our youngest is six, and he's a kindergartner. Come on, somebody. Help us, Jesus. We got 16 to six, and it is crazy. It, 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 is, uh, it, it is wild sometimes. We, and here's what I've learned about parenting is that there are some things that I learned years ago that I don't really necessarily believe is true anymore. You know what I'm saying? Or uh, there's ways that I treat one kid that I don't treat another kid that way. I love you the same, but not, I, lo- I love you equally, but not the same, right? That's kind of how we, we do it in our house. Everybody's a little bit different. And so we don't get it right. And I, I don't want you to put me as the pastor on a pedestal to think, oh, I bet, I bet their life is just so perfect. Their kids are so amazing. Look at them. No, no, they're not. Okay. And uh, <laughs> life gets tough right? So when life gets tough, you just snap into a Slim Jim or Snickers and it's okay. All right. We've, we've learned a lot through the years. We try to learn from your mistakes more than learning from our mistakes. You know, it's better when you learn from other people's mistakes and not your own, but we still, we make a lot of mistakes. So now the truth is really, I, I can't change everything about your parenting techniques in one sermon today. All right. Can't, we can't learn everything we need to know in one message um, that would take a, about two months or two semesters, really, two semesters of small groups in order to change our direction and help us to get on the right path of parenting. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you some, some values today. We're talking about values, and I can start there. So I want to give you some values. But first, I want you to look at this um, uh, definition of values, that, that values are principles or standards of behavior that guide our lives. That's what a value is. And so when it comes to parenting, we've got to have some values that guide us, some values that really uh, direct what we believe and and, and how we live, okay? So Proverbs says it this way, that if you want a good family, if you you don't, there's always going to be chaos occasionally. There's going to be times where it's chaotic and it's stressful. But if you want a good family, it takes wisdom to have that. It takes understanding to make a good family strong. Okay, so it takes wisdom and it takes understanding. So what I hope to do today is give you some wisdom and give you some understanding when it comes to parenting. And I'm going to give you five, five values that I think will help any relationship, not just parents, any relationship. Okay, so if you're taking notes, here we go. Number one is you've got to have an authentic faith. You, if, to parent well, you need a faith that is not shallow. Okay, you, you need a faith that is, um, it's real, it's being lived out every day. It's not a condemning faith, it's not a judgmental faith, it's not a, I wish you could be more like this or that, no, it's a real faith between you and God. And so if there's a real faith, an authentic faith, then there must also be an inauthentic faith. There must be a faith that's a little bit shallow, a faith that's kind of just convenient, a faith that really just, it, it really... It doesn't help us experience all that God has for us. And one of the things I've noticed about Christianity and, and in the church is that so many people stop at salvation. I mean, let me say it this way. We settle for salvation. Now, are you, are you saying that settling for going to heaven is bad? No, I, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying so many Christians say, okay, I believe in Jesus. Now my sins are forgiven. Now I'm going to heaven. And they stop and they miss out on all that God has for them. 
How many of you know uh, that, that faith is so much more than your sins being forgiven? It's so much more than just coming to church on Sunday. Authentic faith is receiving the power and the presence and the grace and the anointing of God. The more, the all that God has for you, right? There's so much more that God wants to give and wants to do in your life. And we miss out if we just stop at salvation. And so the best parenting or marriage advice, relationship advice that I could give you is for you to get close to Jesus. Get close to Jesus. Just draw close to him. Get close to him. Uh, parents, the best thing that you can do for your kids is to show them what an authentic, vibrant, real, dynamic, life-giving relationship with God looks like. Parents, your kids need to see you worshiping. They need to see you lifting your hands. They need to see you reading the word. They need to see you praying. They need to see you sacrificing to come to 21 days of prayer. They need to see you drawing close to God. Can I get an amen? And, and I don't know your business, so this isn't like, well, he's preaching at me today. I don't know. I don't know. That's the Holy Spirit's role to, to speak to you about where you're at. But I'm just telling this, if, if we're going to parent well, we've got to have authentic faith. And we need to show our kids what authentic faith looks like because they need to know. They need to know what a real relationship with God looks like. Uh, Proverbs says it this way, that reverence for the Lord gives a man deep strength. In other words, when you get close to God, when you're chasing after God, when you're seeking after God, it strengthens you. It's good for you. You're, it, it helps you, right? But look at this. Your children have a place of refuge and security. So in other words, when you get close to God, guess what happens? It benefits your kids. It helps your kids in their walk. And this word refuge, it literally means this. It's a trustworthy place of shelter. When you get close to God, when you sacrifice, when you have an authentic faith, it's going to provide a trustworthy place of shelter for your kids. In other words, when they get older and they're going through life and they're experiencing some of the things that you've been experiencing, they'll go, hey, I, wait a minute, I remember my mom used to run to God when she had this sort of problem. Hey, I, re I, remember, I remember that my, trustworthy, my mom's trustworthy place of shelter was Jesus. So I, I wonder if that'll work for me too. And they'll be reminded of how God took care of you and it'll benefit your kids. Now, let me, let me be clear. Young people, you can't ride your parents' coattail. You, you, you can't, your, your parents' faith can't be your faith. That's why Joshua says that you've got to choose for yourselves whom you're going to serve. So, so parents, you need to decide, I am going to serve God. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. But young people, you can't ride that. You can't ride their decision. You have to decide for yourself. Jesus is my Savior. I'm going to serve the Lord. Can I get an amen? amen? Is this helping anybody today? Just an authentic faith, a real dynamic faith. Now, that's the first one. And you, you can't go anywhere else if you don't have this first one. Okay, an authentic faith matters more than anything else. But the second thing, if we're going to parent on purpose, if you're going to have great relationships... The second thing is you've, you've got to have intentional schedules. And this one's more practical, okay? The first one's about your relationship with God. But this one is about coordinating your family events. It's about coordinating your schedules, coordinating your activities. It's about maybe even saying no to some things. Come on, uh, when we don't coordinate things, when we're not intentional, we sign up for four sports at a time. 
Yeah, yeah. There have been seasons in our, we have with four boys where all four of them were playing a sport and we had to be in different places at the same time. Y'all know what that feels like, don't you? I mean, it's, it causes stress and then, and then you start to eat out more and I don't feel like cooking and you're, you're driving through to get food on the way to the game and then they hurl on the sidelines because they just ate before they play and it's just terrible. Intentional schedules. Some of the best parents I know are the ones who, who have this, have a grip on this. They're, they're some of the best parents I know. By the way, Pastor Tom, who spoke last week, is incredible at intentional schedules for his, for his family and for his wife uh, and, and their marriage. They have this figured out. And what, what it means is they're intentional about what they do and what they don't do. Hey, guys, you want, you want to come over tonight? We're having, we're having a bunch of people over tonight at the house. And their response would be, hey, you know, tonight's our family night. We're not, we won't be able to make it tonight. They guard their family time at all costs. People who are successful with intentional schedules, they are committed to turning off the TV and to talking with their young people and to, and to limiting some screen time on their devices. And you can call it couch time or pillow talk or whatever you want to call it. But they have a schedule and they protect it at all costs. That's what intentional schedules are. So you might be sitting there thinking, Pastor Ben, this is crazy. You crazy. Man, hey, you, are you saying, Pastor Ben, are you saying that we should start a family calendar and put all of our family activities on our calendar and to treat, our, uh, treat a family calendar like we would a work calendar? Or, is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah, actually, I think it'd be great. What if... We were more intentional with our family calendar than we were our work calendar. What, what if you called a family meeting like you do a business meeting at work? Now, you can't lead it the same way, by the way, because you go to bed with those people and you sleep in the same house as those people. But what if you did an off-site meeting and you took your family on a on a little trip and you just said, hey, we're going to plan out the year. Let's talk about what we're going to do this year. Let's talk about the things that matter most. Let's talk about what we're going to say no to and what we're going to say yes to. What if you got intentional with your schedules? Because when you're not intentional, your life feels like moving shadows. You just are busy and all of that rushing comes to nothing. Have you ever felt that way before? You ever felt like you just go from here to there and there's always something else? There's always something on the calendar. There's always an event. There's always, there's always something filling up my time. And in fact, um, part of this verse, it's not here, uh, and part of this scripture, it talks about how life is nothing but a mist. I mean, we're here a moment and then we're gone. And, and a lot of times in life when we're young as parents, as young parents, we think to ourselves, Man, I got all the time in the world. Man, I don't have to worry about that for my kids. I don't have to plan, I don't have to plan for my boys. I don't have to do this. And then all of the grandparents say, mm, no, that's not true. <laughs> all the grandparents say that time flies by. All the grandparents say, no, you don't have all the time in the world. All the grandparents start singing, you're going to miss this. You're going to want this back. You're going to wish these days. Hadn't gone by so fast. These were some good times. So take a good look around. You may not know it now. You're going to miss this. This is what the grandparents would say. 
Slow it down. Don't do so much. It's going to be okay. They don't have to do all of those things. And all the grandparents said. Yeah. And all the parents said, oh, me. I just... It's not an attack on us, parents. I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat with you. I, I know what it feels like. But Solomon said it this way. It's better to have a little, to just, to just put a few things on the calendar and have peace of mind than to just be busy all the time. All of this busy leads to nothing. Okay, that's the second thing. The second value is intentional schedules. Number three, the third value, if we're going to be Parenting on purpose in our relationships. Third value is we have to discover purpose as parents first. And then we have a responsibility to help our kids discover purpose. By the way, I just want to clarify, you, you don't have to wait for your kids to grow up and move out of the house before they have purpose. They can have purpose right now under your roof. Amen? So, so one of the best things that we could do as parents is to teach our kids how to use our gifts and talents, how to serve other people, how to put other people first. One of the best things you can show your kids is that you show up to serve day on the first Saturday of every month or that you serve God through the local church. And this is not even about serving at City Hope. You could go try this anywhere and it will matter. It will make a difference in your kids because they're seeing you do something that fulfills you. And you are never more fulfilled in life. You're never more satisfied than when you are living out the purpose that God has for you. This is my purpose, by the way. Starting this church was my lifelong purpose. I believe it's the ultimate reason why God put me on this earth. And there is nothing that I, I mean, I just, I'm so fulfilled in doing what I get to do. But here's the thing. When, when you have purpose, you know what to do with your time. You, you know how to use your time. Uh, you may not know this, but here at church we have what we call the JV Dream Team. So there's, a, there's an adult dream team, and that is the group of people that serve in the parking lot and production and worshiping kids and all of that. But we also have what we call a JV Dream Team, and that is uh, young people who are like middle school and high schoolers, and they're beginning to serve a, a God through the local church. Um, you may not see them sometimes. Some, sometimes they're hidden but every once in a while, you'll look back and on these cameras, not today, but sometimes you'll look back and there'll be middle schoolers running those cameras. My, my son came to church with me early this morning because he was serving at the first service. He's 10 years old and he was running production back in kids' ministry. All right? I, I want him to, to discover his purpose. The young man who, who builds all of my sermon slides for me is an eighth grader at McNeil. He played drums this morning. He's discovering his purpose as a young person. Like, th there are kids all across this church, and I, I want you to know, young people, you don't have to wait until you graduate high school to discover purpose. You can begin discovering it and living it out right now. But here's the thing. Parents, you have to discover purpose so they can discover their purpose. You've got to lead the way in that. And I want to encourage parents for a moment to, to focus on what makes your kids different. All of our kids are not supposed to be the same. Your, your child is not supposed to be like the other child. Your, your kid is not supposed to be like everybody else. They're not supposed to be great at everything, but they are supposed to be great at something. Can I get a witness there? They're not, 
there's nothing wrong with putting them in sports and letting them try it, but you don't have to force them to be as good as, as the kid over here who's the best shortstop in the league. Come on, you, you don't have to do that. You, you can let them be what they're good at. Let them focus on what they're good at. Now, all of our boys are different. We have four. They're all different. And uh, I, I, at least from my seat on the bus as a parent, I, I don't really get up, up in arms if they don't make straight A's all the time. Now, if, if they are capable and able to make an A, then we expect them to make an A, right? But I, I worked really hard for my C's, so I don't really, like, I don't have great expectations for them. It's just like, man, you, you're doing way better than me. Good job, boy. Uh, we, we expect it if they're able, okay? But all of them are, are very different. Uh, we, we do have one son who's very, he is, um, he is, he's intellectually smart. He is capable. He's great in school. Another one of our sons, if we let him, he would drop out today. He'd be done. He's in the fourth grade. He is, he is, now don't get me wrong, he is smart, but he is very creative. He's artistic. He loves to work with his hands. Like he said that he wants to be a construction worker. Like he can, he's musically talented. He can play music. He's great. Then another one of our kids, he is detailed and he is organized. And he, if you ask him to tell you a story, you better sit down. It's going to be a very detailed story. He's great at it, right? And then our youngest one, we're not really sure. We're just, we're still trying to figure it out. Um, actually, I realized yesterday that he's going to be tough. Okay, I don't, know what, I don't know what his strengths are yet, but he's going to be tough. He's going to be able to hang with macho man Randy Savage and... Some of those, some of some of the Stone Cold Steve Austin, Flying Brian. Come on, somebody, remember those? You're gonna be able to hang with some of those guys. He's he's gonna be tough because he's the youngest. But here here's the thing: um, school and education was not my thing. For me, I'm, I'm just giving you my story. Uh, I, I struggled in school. I'm the I'm one out of four boys. Remember, I have I have um, a stepbrother, and there was three three of us. One out of four boys who graduated high school. So for me to graduate high school, this is a pretty big deal. And I went to a two-year Bible college. And, and a lot of people ask me sometimes, well, where'd you get your, your theological degree from? And the truth is, I don't have one. I, I, I have done some, some learning, like some uh, university learning, but it's been distance education. It's on the, on the computer, and, and it's just not my thing. And I've learned a lot through the School of Hard Knocks, by the way. I've learned a lot through just getting in the Word. I've learned a lot because I was on staff at a church for 15 years, and that pastor is my spiritual father. By the way, he's going to be preaching this Wednesday at First Wednesday. You do not want to miss that. It's going to be good. But man, I, so, so if you're disappointed that I don't have an MDiv and, and you never come back, I'm so sorry, okay? I'm really, I'm really sorry. But that's just not me. And so I'm not, I'm not going to put expectations on my kids uh, for areas that they're not great at. Now, what I was good at, I wasn't good at school, but what I was good at is I could draw a crowd and I could make people laugh and I could sing and I could play instruments and I could, I, I could public speak and I could do those things and I just had different giftings. Are you see what I'm saying? And so we can't put expectations on our kids to all just funnel the same way and all go down the same path and all be just the like cookie, cookie cutter. 
We can't do that, okay? I love what Paul says. He says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If I, if I don't do anything else, what Paul's saying here is my only aim, what I want to do more than anything is I want to finish the race and I want to complete the task. I want to do the thing that the Lord Jesus gave me to do. So Paul's mentality here is not to, is not to get something out of life, but it's to put something into life. His mentality is not to take, but it's to give. It's to accomplish the purpose and the destiny that God has for you. And one of the best ways that I can lead you is if you'll discover your purpose. Uh, last Sunday in our growth track, step three, we had, uh, there was 30 people who graduated step three last week. 30 people who said, I'm going all in. I want to know why I'm here. I want to know my purpose. I want to use my gifts to make a difference in the local church. And so next Sunday... Is step one, we'll talk about vision. We'll talk about who we are as a church. We'll give you an opportunity to join the church. We'll answer the question, who do you answer to, Pastor Ben? Who's your accountability? How do you manage finances? All of those things. But it, it makes a difference when you know why you're here, why you're on the earth, okay? Now, the, third, the, fourth, the fourth one, this is huge, okay? I covered it a little bit in week one. Actually, week one was the whole point of what I'm about to tell you, but, but the fourth value is you've got to have right relationships. So week one was all about right relationships, choosing the right friends. So I won't go into a lot of detail here, but this is huge, right? Because our parents, our kids need to see us having a right relationship so that they know what a right relationship looks like. They need to see you having right friendships so that they know what right friendships look like. They, they, need to, they need to have an, a comprehension of what, what does it mean to be in relationship with somebody. And if they'll learn how to do this now, don't you know it's going to save them some heartache in the future? It's going to save them from some, some heartache. Uh, you, you may not even know this, but every Sunday, you know, we, we do right relationships through small groups here. That's how we do re, uh, relationships, small groups. Well, every Sunday, we do what we call city groups. It's a, it's a small group for middle schoolers and high schoolers every Sunday at 6.30. If you ever want to know what does City Hope have to offer for, for my students every Sunday at 6.30, it's small groups, and it's, it's getting in right relationships, right? And, and, and here's why we do it, because statistics tell us if, if young people will come to church on Sunday... Not only come to church, but they will serve in church on Sunday. And if they will be involved in a small group where they're relationally connected to somebody, they are exponentially more likely to never drop out of church once they graduate high school. So that's why we do it that way. We don't have a traditional youth church service because statistics prove it doesn't keep them in church once they graduate high school. So the way I like to say it is we're building a church for young people. This is for young people. Why do we do the kind of music we do? For young people. It's, it's, it's for people that are younger than me, right? It's not just because the, the pastor likes it. It's because we want a church where young people feel like this is my church. This is where I go. Does that make sense? All right. So, so we've got to have right relationships. And I'll, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to hurry, but young people, it is, applies to everybody. The most important decisions of your life is not where and what. It's not where you're going to go to college, what you're going to do with your life. The most important decisions of your life is who am I going to do it with? Who am I going to let into the inner circle? Who am I going to let influence my life? Those are the most important decisions 
Proverbs says it this way, that a mirror reflects a man's face, but what he's really like, if you want to know a real man, look at his friends. Look at his friends. Proverbs 13, if you want to be wise, walk with the wise. Because you'll, you'll grow wise when you surround yourself with wise people. Paul says to not be yoked together with unbelievers. Now, now the word yoke there is, it's, um, it's talking about a farm implement. It's where they would take this, this big harness and they would put it on two different oxen, right? These, these oxen would be together and they would, they would put this harness or this, this yoke on them and they would, they would put them together and that, it created more horsepower. It created more load capacity. It created uh, more ability, more capability. They could go faster. They could do more. They could haul more. And so Paul is saying, don't yoke yourself together with somebody who... who who's an unbeliever. Why? Because when you yoke together, they're going to try to go this way, and you're trying to go this way. And he says, it's okay for you to have friends that don't believe. He's not saying to be isolated from that. What he's saying is, don't, don't become like them, right? Don't, don't become like them. Be separate, but not isolated. And so he says, don't yoke yourself together with unbelievers. What do righteous and wickedness have in common? What def- what what fellowship can light have with darkness, okay? So, so we don't yoke ourselves together. And that's why if I could talk to the young ladies in the room today. Not, maybe not just young ladies. How about just single ladies, okay? Some of you are out of school. You're out of college. and You might be looking for that special man, all right? Let me, if I could just say this, all right? Don't get in a hurry. Don't get in a hurry. I was reading a prayer card from one of our uh, students from Motion Night a couple weeks ago, and freshman in high school saying, really feel like something's missing in my life. Really feel like I need a man. I'm like, girl, you're 14. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need a man. You ain't ready for no man, right? You don't need that. You, don't, don't get in a hurry. Don't, don't rush it. And a lot of times what happens is, is um, what's called missionary dating. I'm going to date a guy who's not a Christian in hopes maybe he'll become a Christian. Most of the time, it doesn't work that way. In fact, there's a, there's a lady in the Bible. Her name is Ruth. Ruth was, uh, what a woman of integrity. And, and Ruth, her husband had died. And so there was this separation. She's, she's here serving her mother-in-law and in a, in a foreign country, she moves to a new land, and she's just focused on pleasing God. She's just focused on drawing as close to God as she can. She's not trying to find Mr. Right. She's trying to be Mrs. Right. Can I get a witness? She's just focused on being the woman that God's called her to be. And, and then all of a sudden, God puts a man in her life out of, the, out of nowhere. The Bible says that he was a handsome man. He was a rich man, and he was a spiritual man, which equals a husband. Come on, somebody. <laughs> She found, she found her man, his name was Boaz, all right? Everybody say Boaz. It's spelled B-O-A-Z. Now, here, here's the thing about uh, Boaz. Ladies, if, if, you don't, if you get in a hurry, if you rush it, if you push it, if you just got to have your man, you might end up with the wrong man. And see, Boaz has got some, he's got some pretty evil cousins that you need to avoid, okay? He's got some cousins like Broke-Ass, Po-Ass, Lion-Ass. Cheating ass, dumb ass. Come on, you're gonna end up with somebody like drunk ass, 
cheap ass, locked up ass. You, you want to rush it? You want to push it? You're going to end up with crazy ass. You're going to end up with good for nothing ass or lazy ass. And you need to stay away from beating your ass. And when you find, yeah, wait on your Boaz. And when you find him, make sure he respects your ass. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Young lady. Where y'all at? I'm glad y'all liked that. I wish I came up with it, but I found it from one of my favorite preachers, Jensen Franklin, years ago. And I thought, I got to use that. That's good. But isn't it the truth, though? We get in a hurry, and we end up with somebody that's not, we're not supposed to be with them. And they don't treat us the way that God intended. And so, right relationships. Can I get an amen right there? Woo. All right. That was fun. So wait on your Boaz, ladies. Wait on, wait on. Now, the, the, last, the last one, and it's one of the most, I think, it's one of the most important ones, okay, um, is if you're going to have healthy relationship, you're going to have healthy friendships, if you're going to parent on purpose, you have to, you have to, have to, have to have amazing grace. <laughs> you got to have amazing grace. They call it amazing because it doesn't make sense. They call it amazing because, you know, when we think about our own lives and we, we think about how we've messed up and how we've blown it and how we have just, we, we gave our lives to Jesus and we promised we'll never go back, we'll never do that again, and we did it anyway. That's, that's when he has amazing grace. It doesn't make sense for him to keep taking us back over and over and over and over again. And, you know, there, there's going to be times, church, where in every relationship you have, you have to have amazing grace, grace that doesn't make sense, every, every relationship. And you're going to be tempted. There's going to be moments where, where your spouse messes up, where your child messes up, where your coworker messes up, and you are going to be tempted to hold them to this standard of perfection that nobody can live up to. And that's when you have to have amazing grace. <laughs> now, as I prepared for this message, um, I really felt like there'd be some people here today who you're, you're in this moment you're in this zone maybe even newlyweds maybe it's parents with kids maybe it's a child that you just feel like throwing in the towel you just feel like i can't do this anymore it's over they're overbearing they're working me over pastor ben i can't deal with my child anymore maybe they're in rebellion maybe they are maybe they're leading a lifestyle that you completely don't agree with and it's just frustrating you and you don't know what to do you're just ready to wash your hands and be done Maybe it's a marriage relationship where your, gra your grace is just running out. Maybe it's a child who you feel like your parents are just holding you back. And you're ready to move out. You're ready to just do your own thing. Amazing grace. Wherever you are, here's Paul's words to us. He says, when I wanted to give up, when I wanted to stop, when I got tired of this thing that kept on coming back in my life, I, I heard Jesus say, 
My grace is all you need. Grace. Grace is not just unmerited favor, but it is also the power to do what he's called you to do. And my power works best in your weakness. So now I'm, I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. It takes amazing grace. Would, would you bow your heads with me today? Let me, let me close this in prayer. I want to pray for every relationship here, but I want to ask you, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's he saying about your relationships, your parenting? What's he saying about your relationship to your kids or maybe to your siblings? Maybe to a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a special person in your life. What's he saying about all that? Relationships. And I want to pray for every, every kind of relationship here today. Maybe you feel like you've failed. Maybe you feel like you have, man, I, I, I wish I could have done it differently. Maybe you're a grandparent now and you're looking back at, at how you wish you had done it differently. Maybe you're in the middle of it right now and you're thinking, man, I, I want to change. I want to be the parent that God's called me to be, but I'm just, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I failed. I have, I've hurt my family. Father, I just pray right now for every, every relationship, every marriage that may be feeling the weight of that, every, every parental relationship that may be feeling the weight of the burden, the hurts, the pains, the fears, the loneliness, the rebellion that's happened. You know, whatever it is, God, I just pray for every relationship that you would mend it, that you would heal it that you would let amazing grace be poured out in those relationships. God, that we would, we would give what you've so freely given to us, that grace, that forgiveness. Father, I pray that for those who feel like they wish they could go back in time, Lord, the second best time for them to change is right now. The second best time for a, 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 a do-over, it's right now. God, I pray for a do-over for every every parent, every couple, every child, a do-over in this room today. That there'll be healthy conversations that come out of this. Parents would, would do everything they can to parent on purpose, to have an authentic faith, intentional schedules, help discover purpose, help their kids have right relationships and amazing grace along the way. And with your head still bowed, if you're here and, and uh, you're far from God, Maybe you're you feeling the weight of, of your sin, the weight of your decisions, the weight of your, the, the guilt of it all. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. The most important thing you need today is you need, a, you need authentic faith. You need a, a, you desperately need a relationship, an inspirational, life-giving, healthy, vibrant, dynamic relationship with God. That's the most important thing you need today. And if you're here and you don't have that, but you want that with Jesus Christ, on the count of three, I want you to slip up your hand. If that's you, I want you to be bold and courageous. One, two, three. Come on. I, I want a relationship with Jesus all across this place. One, two. Anybody else would say, that's me. I'm lifted up high. Be bold about it. I'm, I'm so proud of you. I'm thankful for you. I see you back there. 
Anybody up top? Come on. A life-giving relationship with Jesus. Let's say this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving your life for me. Now I give my life to you. Will you forgive me? Cleanse me? Purify me? Make me new. I confess you as my Lord, my Savior. And from this day on, I will follow you and serve you the best that I know how. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God the best praise we can. Let's give God thanks today. Amen. Praise God for what he's doing in your lives. And I just want you to know, not only is God super proud of you, those of you who made a decision for Christ, and as you grow in your faith, God is, not only is God proud of you, but we as a church are super proud of you. And if you made that decision to give your life to Christ today, we want to be able to help you with your next step. Sometimes we don't really know what to do next. It's like, okay, I gave my life to Christ, but what's next? And so we've put together something we call a next steps box. Um, and it's full of resources on what you can do next. What do you do next? And so um, we want to get this to you. The way you get it is when you leave today in the lobby, just by our growth track room, there's a shelf against the wall that has some of these boxes on it. There's a table over there and there'll be a team over there working there. You can just stop by the table and ask them for a next steps box and they will get that to you and it's totally free of charge we just want to be able to help you with next steps and so also I told you about the connection card at the beginning of the service and I just want to remind you about that card if you haven't had a chance to fill it out to just introduce yourself to us on that card as we get ready to give there's no pressure on you to give anything if you're a guest with us today there's absolutely no pressure on you to give anything um, but what we we would love for you to do is to introduce yourself to us on the card and if you gave your life to Christ today if you made a decision for Christ we would love it if you could just let us know under my decision today let us know what God's doing in your life we want to be able to celebrate with you but also we want to be able to pray for you and that lets us know how we can be praying for you so um, as we get ready to give today, I just want to celebrate with you. And I just want to say thank you, first off, for your generosity, for your obedience to the Lord in giving. And it's because of your generosity and because of your giving that we're able to make a difference outside the walls of the church in the ways that we do. One of the ways that, that we're able to make a difference is through church planting. We're partnered with an organization called the Association of Related Churches. And we give to help plant churches all across all across the nation. And just over the past couple of weeks, I want to celebrate that 11 new churches have been planted all across the country. And there's two churches. There's one church in, called Becoming Church, and it's in Madison, Alabama. But then there's another church called Vintage Church. It's in Liberty Hill, Texas. And on their launch day, they had 227 people show up. Seven people gave their lives to Christ. Praise God for that. I just want you to know that when you give... You're a part of that. You're making a difference in people's lives all across our nation. And so we celebrate that today. And so, but we never want you to feel uh, pressure or compulsion to give. But um, so we're going to go ahead and get ready to do that. And um, I'm going to pray over our time together. When I say amen, there'll be some people along the front. It's our prayer team.
If you have any needs at all during the last song, feel free to come up for prayer. So let's go ahead and pray now. God, we thank you so much for this day and your, your blessings, for the opportunity to serve you and to be a part of your kingdom. God, we ask that you would continue to bless us so that we can continue to make a difference all around our world. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, come on. Let's stand together and worship. Stars. 